podcast is sponsored by Zero Accounting Software, who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 17 of the She Can, She Did podcast, aka the podcast in which I, Fiona Grayson, sit down with female founders in their teens, 20s and 30s dotted around the UK and ask them to open up to me about everything they've been through behind the scenes, the good, the bad, and at times challenging beyond belief to get to where they are with their businesses today. Before I introduce this week's episode, I am very happy to announce that the tickets for the first ever Midweek Mingle in Birmingham are now live on the She Can She Did website. So if you're based in the Midlands, have your own business or want to one day, be sure to have a little peek at what's in store for you all because it goes without saying that I would love, love, love for you to be there. Right, that said and done, back to this week's episode with the amazing designer that is Jana Pavasovic, the founder of one of my all-time favourite indie brands out there, The Completist, the London-based paper goods and stationery brand that she launched from her flat 18 months ago after walking away from a well-established yet self-confessed anxiety-inducing career in the fashion industry. With The Completist now stocked in over 70 stores worldwide, I sat down with Jana on a rainy day in London a few weeks back to find out how she's established her brand so successfully in what, in the grand scheme of things, is a relatively short period of time. From how she's learnt to focus on and embrace her unique style to ensure that she stands out within a saturated market, adapt to the ebbs and flows of self-employed life by shifting her focus during the quieter months, approached the search for office space in London from a financial perspective and the impact that move has had on both her, her marriage and the business as a result, to the more challenging reality of how she manages self-care, relationships and work-life boundaries when she is, in her own words, a self-confessed workaholic. Yana combines undeniable talent and creativity with a work ethic that's steadfast and core values that underpin everything she does and the result, in the form of the completest, is a brand that's set to soar. Yes, I guess so. I always remember with you on our first practical before the mingle, mm. and you were like, it's Yana like banana, because I was calling you Jana up until then. It's fine, everyone gets it wrong, because I also, I used to really get annoyed about it. I had a, a teacher in high school that we'd tell her Yana, and she'd go, yes, yes, Jana, and you're like, oh my God, what's wrong <laughs> with you? you and then I went to uni with a girl called Jana, and we were really good friends, and we sat next to each other, and everyone would just mix us up, and so I'm so used to it being called all kinds of things. Really? People say, um, I get emails sometimes saying, I really love uh, She Can and She Will. I'm like, well, it's not It's not called that, so you can't love it that much. <laughs> I mean, I've had people write and be like, the com- like misspell my company completed, and you're like, oh, that's not that's what... That's bad. That's really bad. <laughs> it happened on Instagram, someone tagged me, and someone commented being like, I don't think that's the right <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's amazing how little research some people do yeah. but I mean name pronunciation that's a diff I just know that my name neither of my names are easy but I have a lifetime of spelling my name and then I got married and I have an equally difficult last name to spell so <laughs> see all I can say is Yana like banana <laughs> well it works it works uh, yeah so there you go yeah Yana um, <laughs> can you l- let us all know what your business is all about in your own words please <laughs> 
so our tagline for our business, the easiest thing to say is printastic paper goods and stationery. We started off making cards and then it's turned into gift wrap and stationery and then stationery has become a much bigger part of our business and it kind of makes sense because I've always been obsessed with stationery. So yeah, and we... I mean, Oh, thanks. Uh, it, but it's yeah, unique. it's, it's yeah. Really this is what I mean. People, I don't like to toot my own horn necessarily. This is what people say to me. But it, you know, you kind of sometimes you start out wanting to be different to everyone else, and it's really hard to start with that goal. But I just kind of then just did whatever came out, and it happened to be different. I guess because it's my own creative vision and handwriting, and I'm not looking at other people going, "Oh, I like that thing. I'm going to do something like that." I just kind of lock myself away with my paintbrushes and see what comes out, and it works out okay. Amazing. How long has it been going for? <laughs> um, properly about 18 months. Okay. Yeah. Because you were in fashion, weren't you? Yeah. For a really long time. I started studying in high school when I was 15, and then was yeah finished finished my studies. Studied in Italy for a year. Went back and worked for a while. Came to London. Then went back again to Australia. Sorry, I forgot to in <laughs> to Australia, uh, and then came back and studied my MA and yeah I was working in fashion until um 2017 2017 kind of it's such a broad industry, so. um I did lots of things actually what I really enjoyed about I've had really varied experience because I've worked in like really big companies like I worked in at the time one of the only companies in Australia fashion companies that were listed on the stock exchange so that was a really big company and then I worked for really small ones where I was basically working under the boss so it was really varied but I worked mainly as a designer and then came to London and I mean it's just so competitive it's really hard so I ended up doing a bit of design and product development and then moved solely into product development and then back into design so it's a bit of yeah both of those things really do you remember the kind of process that led to the completest though in terms of you know I always think there's a few stationary brands that I follow online and they're still doing it as side hustles so you know how did you get into this full-time so even, let's just start in the first place I guess. yeah so basically where this to go back to the very very beginning I was in a job doing product development and product development was what I thought I wanted to do and at a smaller company it was because I was touching on everything and I had a hand in the whole pro design process which is what I really like and then I moved to a really big company and that role became very uh like you swim in your lane, you do only your job. It wasn't creative at all. I then became really unhappy because I wasn't being creative. So at that time, I was really, really loving fashion illustration. Um, there's an illustrator, a Norwegian illustrator that I just adore. Her stuff is incredible. Called, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Ezra, Ezra. Roy's, I don't know I how to say she's, she's going to be like, it's Osra. I know, I know. And do you know what? She follows me on Instagram as well. And we always message each other about our cats and she's really nice. But anyway, her first name's Ezra. Uh, and, <laughs> and she's really incredibly talented. And I just was like, I want to be able to draw like that. So I remember having this discussion. Actually, it was around my 30th birthday and I was having a bit of a crisis. And I said to my husband, I was like, I'm not being creative. I'm really unhappy. He said, well, just do something about it. Like, you need to change something do something so I just 
started a website and started drawing it again. I was drawing every night to build up, like find my style, build up my, my skills again. And because it was the one thing when I was studying that I really wanted to be able to do really well, but it just requires a lot of practice, yeah. which is what it, some, to some people it comes naturally and they're incredible. And some people really have to work hard on it. I'm definitely that person. I remember my art teacher in school just being like, Fee, seriously, like, yeah. <laughs> raise your game. I was like, I just can't do it. Like, no, but if you practice, <laughs> the thing is, is if you practice, like there's another illustrator I follow called Scott Mason and he is incredible but he goes back and shows people like this is what my sketchbooks looked like a, a couple of years ago and I practiced and practiced and look where I've got to he's really open about that and it's really good because it's not like like I said some people are just naturally amazingly talented but I feel like most things you have to work if yeah you want to do yeah you and to develop hard, your you style and hone, to hone yeah so I started sketching and sketching and then I thought it's it was one of those things where you're like oh I need to be posting it somewhere I need to hold myself accountable and tell people about what I'm doing so I need to keep doing it that will I almost shame myself into doing it in a way that sounds like a negative no, way I'm to so, do it. No, but you put your pride on your line. Like, yeah. I'm, I've always been, if you say it out loud, I'm then not you the have kind of to person do it. that would be like, yeah. Like, don't make excuses yeah. just do it yeah completely so that's how it started and that's what I was doing for a really long time that's just all it was and I'd take my sketchbook on holiday and I'd be drawing all the time and posting if you go back far enough in my Instagram you can see a lot of it and then I moved to another purely design job and I was there for 10 months and then I decided to go freelance and I got Free, freelance one day a week regularly and my husband said to me well you need to find something else to do with the rest of your time because otherwise you're going to fall into a funk and you're not going to you know you're going to be sitting here doing what are you going to do yeah. you know it's not good for you mentally to sit around so I thought I had a few people before I left my other job saying oh you should do something with your like sell your sketches I'd buy one I'd buy one and go okay fine look into this and then someone said to me why don't you put them on some cards I've got a friend who has done really well has managed to maintain herself full-time selling cards and then that person apparently got a job at Hallmark and I was like wow that sounds amazing why don't I do some cards <laughs> and put it all on Etsy and start an Etsy and a website and that's what it was initially uh, I, I was I got a few of my sketches printed and I put some sketches on cards and started my business that way and a very soon dawned on me who is going to buy fashion illustrations on cards that's kind of a very niche thing and then it kind of was like oh I have all these other ideas I want to do tote bags and I want to go learn how to screen print and do screen prints and I want to do notebooks and it was all this mishmash of ideas that then and I was like well what am I going to do on bags I can't do illustrations on bags but I can do like these really cool patterns on bags and started doing like doing like surface design and patterns and stuff like that and then putting those things onto cards and that's when people were like oh I really like those cards and that then was kind of the turning point where I was I was like right I can still sell the sketches on the side they still sold really well and it was easy because I could just print them on demand and yeah. sell them but that was where it it went from there I was like oh printed cards with you know like I started off with a few funny captions like I've still got one card that just says okay bye full stop yeah. and it still sells really well because it is yeah. kind of funny yeah. That's my kind of humour though. I yeah. just can't deal with anything too cheesy. Well, this is... I'm not cheesy. I'm not cheesy either. Like, I mean, yeah, not at all. <laughs> it makes me so cringe. But then 
you know, you kind of realise, like, you look at someone like Vicky at Mean Mail, who's doing mm-hmm. that kind of thing much better than I am. It's like a niche. She's nailed it. Like, she's nailed it. And that, But you also, like, for us, it came to a point where we're like, well, what do we want to be? Do we want to be the card that's got the, sorry, the company that has the funny captions? Mm-hmm. Or do we want to be the company that's about design? And I just kind of said to my husband, look, the funny captions thing is, is great. And, you know, we can certainly keep some of the ones that we have. They're still some of our best sellers. But I think design, purely for expanding into other product areas has just got more legs you know and but you know outside of looking in that's exactly how i would put the boundary between Mm. you and vicky vicky's smashing it in her lane with the little quotes and you are 100 design and nailing it yeah and and we we kind of tried to come up with funny captions and we just couldn't like (laughs) we just nothing as good as vicky just does it and she's so good at it and i think anything that we tried to do would probably end up seeming really similar to what she yeah. does yeah. and I'm really conscious of not stepping on anybody's toes and yeah. d- and well, finding my own voice that's the thing with um, the card industry yeah. I was at Top Draw in January and the amount of stands for just cards yeah. I, it, I was below like yeah. I obviously know there was loads because I follow so many on Instagram but yeah. just seeing them yeah. just at Top Draw yeah. how the hell do you stand out from well, that well this like, is it what's your voice yeah. what's your unique thing yeah. why, am, why is someone going to buy cards from you that are cute sketches and funny captions when the person next to you is doing almost the same thing and a lot of the time potentially compromises on certain things whether it's quality or getting it made in China or whatever to get slightly lower margin so they can get into a bigger store and you know what are you offering yeah you know that that means for us it's like it's really important to us to have everything made in the UK all our paper is either FSC certified or recycled all our packaging is biodegradable or you know cardboard recycled stuff like that so what are we going to offer that's different that's going to mean people are going to pay the premium for that kind of stuff otherwise that's so important now I was um at is it a stylist? It's called Decoded Future. It's a big conference uh, yeah. last week. Yeah. And just sustainability was the, I mean, it was all the big high street brands were there. Yeah. But in terms of all the buyers and they're saying, you know, that's what they care about. And there was yeah. such a powerful quote that came out of it. And it was, hang on, I need to get it right. <laughs> it was like, are you, ask yourself, are you just making branded pollution? Mm-hmm. So all of that kind of thing. Because I've thought about, you know, it'd be so easy for me to do a, a mug with a quote on and sell it. But who needs a she can in mug? No one really. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, it's all of those kinds of make sure that it's, yeah, ethical. And just that you're just, thinking about those extra, like, tick boxes, I guess. Because yeah. they're becoming more and more important. People care about that kind of yeah. stuff. Like, when we were away, my, our brother and sister-in-law really love those Nespresso pod coffee machines and I drink a lot of coffee and I was just like do you know what I really hate those pod machines they're so wasteful I feel really bad I feel really dirty using those pods I hate instant coffee but I'm gonna drink instant coffee like I I actually couldn't bring myself to use it I'm such a hypocrite because if there was a choice between a pod and instant coffee I would still go I still don't I just don't like the pod coffee either it's horrible but yeah yeah I think a lot of people would but I was like I just can't I just really really can't no but it's 
you know, I always look at someone like Gina Martin, right? And she talks about a lot of this kind of stuff. And then she always talks about how people write to her and go, but you could do more, you could do this. And her thing is like, I'm doing the best that I can. I'm doing what I can. I'm making conscious decisions. Not everything is going to be perfect, but you're doing what you can, yeah, right? And so I think true. that's what's really important. Like, you're not just going, oh, I don't care. I use plastic on everything, whatever. Make it in China. It's fine. Not that there's anything wrong with that for certain things. And, you know, but if you can start off making those conscious decisions, then it's really easy to continue. I think that's a lot of the problem with these big fashion brands. They've been doing things that are, you know, now seen as unethical, like using lots of plastic in their packaging, for example. For a really long time, it's hard to switch when that's always been your thing. Whereas for someone like me, I can start off, you know, I use biodegradable bubble wrap. It's really easy for me to just do that, yeah. you know, or recycle from other orders and stuff like that. Okay, my bubble bags I send in aren't recyclable but they're brand color so you kind of pick yeah. your battles you yeah. know that's something that eventually that's, that's it as a small business yeah it's, yeah you're so you're so right it's because you're what you can yeah, yeah you could spend a lot of money on being completely completely perfect but yeah i think it's within my means to do what i can mm -hmm. and i can it's actually becoming a lot more affordable to make those choices yeah. now were you um when it comes to things like because obviously cards wasn't your instant go-to how did you go about finding the right uh, what they called supplier there we go <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what and it like was printers and all of that kind of thing so with the cards actually it was because of this friend of a friend that had told me about her friend that made cards and I got in touch with her and she very kindly told me I use this company for my cards so good and I, I've used them ever since and maybe it's not the most economical but it means I can get them on demand I don't have a big space to store stuff but I can be really reactive and yeah. for example I had a big retailer asking me about my Christmas cards in April it meant that I could just do a lot of designs order four of each sample them really easily in a cost-effective way for me that's it works at the moment have you heard back from them yet? yeah we, let's uh, let, let's let, let's not <laughs> 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 Um, <laughs> that's so good though that's what I think about the power of just sharing an idea because people yeah. know people and it just it, the momentum picks up yeah but on the flip side of that I now I don't mind sharing my card supplier because I'm quite open about who I use for that because they're you know it, it's a really easy company to find and it's not you know but then I get people writing to me out of the blue sometimes who don't even follow me on Instagram saying hey I really like your notebooks um where do you get them made and you're like <sighs> I, 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 I've, I'm, I'm in two minds about it. I don't mind helping people that I know. I readily share information because I think it's important. It helps my suppliers be able to develop new things and grow their business as well as mine. You know, I, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm not secretive like that. But when people who you don't know, who clearly... It, it seems almost like they haven't even bothered to do very much research. Like I, A lot of time went into finding some of the suppliers that I have. And you think, oh God, we spent days trying to find these people and you want me just to tell you just like that yeah 100% I I honestly I'm exactly the same I will help anyone if they ask in the right way mm. if I've got a relationship with them if they've sent a really polite and that's honestly yeah. the thing polite genuine email well show that you've made an effort yeah, like, like looked into it yeah like say I've looked into it I'm looking at this supplier and this supplier mm. I wondered what you thought yeah. have I, you got I, any tips to help me find yeah. something yeah then I don't mind. That's the thing, I put like, a, I'm like, let's jump on a call, perfect. I've had a few direct messages saying, Where do you, how'd you do this? Where'd you get this? No, hi, Fee, how are you? <laughs> and that to me, politeness for me is like, yeah. I'm like if you're rude, because I see that as rude, just a, yeah. you know, where's this from? Yeah. No, 
But not even, I, I, I haven't had anything quite that direct. Mm. Uh, you know, everyone is generally pretty polite, but I've had a lot of, you clearly haven't even bothered to try to find this. Yeah. You just see mine and think, oh, try. And look, can't blame them. Try your luck. I might turn around and tell them. I do with my cards, but like, you know, with something like my notebooks and my planners, for example, my planners, the person that makes my planners, it's a very particular manufacturer, like, I'm not just going to tell you that information yeah. willy-nilly, unless I know you, unless, I don't know, I, I feel, it sounds, I don't know, I, I, it, it's I, a I'm funny so thing. With, I, I'm so, honestly, so with you. Just ask in the right way. Ask in the right way. Do a bit of research beforehand. Like, I would never turn around to someone like Rap, for example, and say, I love your notebooks, where do you get them made? Yeah. I did my research to try and find someone that could do something that I liked, rather than just going, hey, I like your stuff. How about <laughs> hand over some information? I mean, you know, I don't know. But people try, I guess. And in terms of, like, kind of getting the word out, though, I presume it was just Instagram and stuff. Yeah, it... Yeah. it, it but how did I, you know, cause I remember chatting to you on our prep call before the mingle about the fact that I love how nothing really seems that planned with you. It's not. Sense. Yeah, it's that's the not. best thing, honestly. It's just, you just chat. And yeah. like, it's just, you post randomly, you've got the good photos, yeah. and then it's just the captions that go with it, you get to know. Yeah, I, like, I think more and more you can really tell when people have really planned stuff out, and it feels really, um stilted very awkward um and I've kind of never been that person I've tried so many times to, and I really do need to have a calendar just so I know what I'm doing in advance because sometimes I wake up in the morning and go god I'm gonna post about today I'll, I'll do it later this afternoon like I just can't like and I'll think about it in the shower or whatever um yeah it was all very organic again it's start actually what kind of I I, I tried to grow it just by myself um, and then I was featured as artist of the week on the Urban Outfitters blog for my oh, illustrations wow. That's amazing. and that got me over a thousand fo like that got my follow account over a thousand and then was that something you applied for or they just no they you? just approached me um okay, yeah so, so that was that was really cool and then it kind of just grew basically and then as I was working by myself a lot I was you know talking you know you're by yourself you talk to pe more people on Instagram I, I make I make a lot of friends on Instagram now. it makes me sound really um <laughs> makes makes it sound like oh, I'm a loser at home making internet I friends like but the vast majority of us we all do it equal losers yeah. we're in it together we all there do it I mean it's a very friend. it's a very yeah. solitary thing when you're running your own business yeah. so and you make friends with people that are doing the same type of stuff I've got so many friends now that I've made through Instagram and it's that kind of thing, like making friends with someone like Emma Jane Palin, who has been a fantastic, uh, you know, cheerleader for my brand because she really likes what I do. Like, she's amazing. Like, there's so many people like that. Like, you know, her friend Natasha Nuttall. All of these people, you build a little community and you give each other little shout outs, yeah. you know, and, and that is kind of how it's built. And yeah, then doing, you know, a few strategic things like doing giveaways. Like I did a giveaway with Penguin Books in the States actually in January, which like... That's quite a cool partnership. Yeah. So our dream, my dream stockist, uh, a shop called Goods for the Study in New York, was one of the ones where I went to in, well, I was in New York in 2016 and I went past this shop and it's just stationary heaven. And I was in there going, oh, if only I could create a brand that was something that would be stocked in here. And then she came past our stand at Top Drawer last year in September and placed 
an, an order oh for all her God. stores and I was like fangirling going I love your store you were the one that inspired me to start my brand like and she was just going oh wow thank you that's so kind of you um, I know but I, I couldn't I really couldn't um but that was like that is just the ultimate That's um amazing. and I love how things come full circle it's uh, such a weird world I it love was it. it was unbelievable yeah. it was one of the biggest achievements so far and she so this girl from penguin bought one of our planners in goods for the study and then just posted a picture and was like hey by the way i do pr for penguin do you want to do a giveaway with us and i was like yes i do definitely <laughs> and you know stuff like that where you and i did one with enterprise nation yeah. last week and i've done little you know round robin ones where you do with other small brands and try and help each other out and you know it just I mean, kind of grows for like a, a, a kind of customer I'm, I'm your target audience mm. I love stationery right? it's a perfect like giveaways like what's not to yeah. love about them yeah, like yeah. the most simple it's not like your it's not like I don't know a chair design. yeah yeah it's like a car you know? yeah it's, like, it's easy for you and, and everybody like, wants yeah uh, well I did one for a free phone case everybody wants a free phone yeah. case <laughs> like you know so yeah things like that and then in terms of like my Instagram strategy honestly as I've said to you before, it probably should do it. <laughs> it should probably have more of a strategy. But no, it's honestly, I just look at my feed and I go, what do I want to talk about today? I did that shoot with um, Chloe, Chloe yeah, from... The photos are so good. The photos were great. Yeah. She was so good and yeah. she really captured. So there's been a really good response for that. And I know people wanted to see behind the brand a lot more and I'm very um, shy in front of a camera because I just get really awkward. But stuff like that has really helped kind of generate more mm. of a story so we can tell people more about what it is that we do. Like that I wrap everything in branded uh, tissue paper and I write a handwritten note with every order and you know look at my studio this is how uh, actually there's some pictures of my card storage boxes so many people wrote to me going where did you get those boxes for your cards they're amazing <laughs> they're from Ikea by the way I literally was um, just thinking it's got to be Ikea it's Ikea yeah I did so much research yeah. it was Ikea in the end um <laughs> You know, uh, but then I, but it is, I just get up and I think, what am I going to, and sometimes it's just a picture. I'm like, hey, you know, I had a weird dream last night, blah, blah, blah. By the way, here's a nice picture. Yeah. I don't want to, I never want it to feel like I'm really salesy, except for sometimes where I'm like, hey, I can't think of anything today. Buy some stuff, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. But it's just to the point, there's no like, boo, it's just like, I love it. It's good. Yeah, thanks. And I, I also yeah. really appreciate the fact that obviously Chloe has just taken those photos. Yeah. But you know, you weren't, you didn't really have your face on there. I remember trying to get no. a photo for you for the um, no. speaker announcement and you were like, I don't really have any. Well, because um, I didn't but, want it to be like so many um, brands that I've seen especially on Instagram it's about the person it's it's an ego yeah, thing yeah. it's a, it's a vanity mm. I don't want to say it's a vanity no, project that sounds mean no, but it's about I know a person from. yeah and I, I've I remember it was my mentor about four months into she can she did three mm -hmm. four months being like have you got a photo of yourself on the website or Instagram I was like no yeah just like you need to do that and I get I, I do get it people are really interested in the face behind the brand yeah but it for me like you said, you're a stationary brand. Yeah. We care about you, but I feel like you, we can see... Like, you, you know you me know without me. knowing yeah, my face, exactly. which and is the idea. Your brand is still doing really, really well yeah. without you. And I just think it's important, I suppose, for people that aren't necessarily comfortable sharing photos or being on their Instagram stories all the time and all that, that they don't necessarily have to. There's ways around it. No, at the beginning anyway. A lot of people suggested, oh, why don't you, um, like 
put your name in it. Like a lot of people make that make it their name, especially when it was just illustration, right? It could have just been my name. Aside from the fact that it's hard to pronounce and hard to spell, you know, even if my name was Jane Smith, I still probably wouldn't have done it because I didn't want it to be about me. It was actually, I didn't, say anything about myself at all for a long time. I didn't connect it to myself at all. I kind of wanted it to be anonymous. Yeah. It, 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 that kind of felt more exciting. It was more about what I was putting out there than, than me. Um, and I do think you can create a brand and a message without having your face and it being about you. There's so many people now where it's like they've created this brand and it's only about them. And I think people are starting to get over that a little bit. Like, I don't want to see your, I'm sorry, I don't want to see all your selfies. I find selfies so boring. Oh, I've like, never ever put a selfie up in my life. I just, and I don't, and I don't judge people that do. I no, just no, cannot take selfies. No, I, I literally look at every single one being like, just no. <laughs> no, it's not what I'm about. Um, it, it, you know, I wanted to create a brand that was like people bought it, they didn't buy it because you know, fabulous me. They bought it because they liked what it was. But then, you know, there does come a point where, especially when you're starting to try, you want to try and get more press. Yeah, yeah, when you want to, people are interested in the story. It, the story sells the brand. They yeah. want to know who they're talking yeah, to. They do want to see it. And, you know, I went to a few of these seminars at PR Dispatch and they were like, everything you're doing is great, but we need to see your face. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. I think it's more, I should probably rephrase in the sense that I guess it's that it's good. It's so important to share your story yeah. and kind of share what it's all about but it doesn't need to be it. it doesn't need to be ego driven it can be like you know it's like any brand right look at Burberry they tell their story all the time okay they don't talk about Thomas Burberry necessarily but they tell their story um you know lots of brands and people buy into it yeah. because they they understand the history and where it's come from and I think the, the the benefit of being called the completist I think it is different when you have a self-titled brand yeah because then I think there's no escaping you yeah, it you can't escape it no. like people if your name's in the business name yeah yeah. you have to be the face yeah. of it whereas I think like, with like she can she did for yeah. instance I can hide but yeah. I could not hide but I no, don't but have you, to be there yeah it doesn't have yeah. to be like hey it's yeah. all about me I, I'm just not that person I would rather just like hide in my studio and put the work out there and let it speak for itself in a way and I would want people to buy it because they like the stuff not because of me yeah. you know yeah. you've mentioned your studio just then yeah You've got one now? Yes. You didn't in December. <laughs> no. Oh, hang on, March. When was it? When was the mingle? March. March, yeah, you no. You were just about to move, weren't you? Yes. Like yes, I had my studio in my spare room for almost a year, and then I finally found a space. Uh, it's inside a print studio in Peckham Levels, which is amazing, being within, like, a studio within a studio almost. So you're amongst loads of other people, and I'm next to a lady that does scarves, and I'm across from a print, uh, like a textile print studio, and there's, people around all the time it's great did you have to kind of plan it like financially i'm just thinking if you started in your spare room what was the driving force behind that need to after after like it was sort of around july last year where i was essentially working I, everything was all over the dinner table and i had a like a big drawing portable drawing board and I was sitting on the sofa and that was my desk and we kind of went this is just not how you run a business you need a space and you need to organize everything so that you need to be a bit more professional basically and we started looking at studios in July last year and um, we live in southeast London there's just not 
that many affordable studio spaces and I need space to have my stock. I've got big tall shelves, you know. It doesn't need to be enormous, but it needs to be something where I can store more than just a desk. A lot of people are fine with just a desk. I need more than that. Yeah. Um, and oh, I just couldn't find anything. It was really difficult. The only thing that I could basically afford were, were things that were like in the middle of industrial estates where there wasn't you know, and I like to work late and or come in it's at the scary. weekends and you don't want to walk around an industrial state yeah. where a bus comes once every half an hour yeah. or whatever you know I just I wanted to feel safe I wanted to feel like I could lock my door and everything would be secure and I would be okay if I worked till 11 o'clock at night which is reasonable <laughs> which I think is reasonable uh, that's why it was good working from my spare room and uh, and in the end we decided um, in July look let's just do it in the spare room for now see how it goes come back to it in six months and it worked for you know six months until I had a constant st pile of boxes in the hallway my storage downstairs was completely full I had a box of cushion covers in the bedroom I, there was just stuff everywhere and uh, I happened to be on I think I saw it on Facebook that someone had posted that there were studios and it was within my price range my initial budget that I was looking for um, in Peckham Levels and I was like oh my god Peckham Levels is exactly where I want to be there's a bus right out the front that stops me right out the front of my flat so you feel really safe you're in Peckham so there's always people around in Peckham Levels which is just an unbelievable space yeah. you know there's bars upstairs there's people around all the time there's a violin maker in my building oh my like, god <laughs> you know there's That's what I love about like the people you meet and yeah like co-working yeah spaces and, and there's a post room there's security like it was just it ticked all the boxes and I went in and I was like right this is exactly what I need done mm -hmm. so yeah, I had to consider what my budget was. Obviously, I'm not spending like, you know, £2,000 a month on an amazing, enormous space, you know. But I knew, I, I at the time when I was looking in July, I kind of thought, oh, I came also to the point where I said to my husband, we had a really good top drawer in September. I would rather just wait another six months to make sure that things are going to continue as they have been. So I feel confident spending money every month. On rent yeah. rather than going yes I commit to this and then all of a sudden everything takes a nosedive and you're and you're done and you you know you're stuck in this place but thankfully actually I don't have a 12 month contract or anything either so it's flexible too so I was I felt really you know at ease with that as well knowing that in case everything yeah, yeah. I, I have options I don't feel locked into anything which yeah. is has it, has it made a difference kind of getting out the flat? Totally, yeah, totally. I have my house back, yeah. first of all. <laughs> you know, as much as I loved working with my cats oh. all the time. I bet your cats are so lonely now. They are, oh my gosh. But my the younger cat, Raph, apparently gets really, like, I think he's had a bit of separation anxiety. Oh. At like three or four o'clock in the afternoon, he starts doing the rounds of trying to knock things over and drives my husband nuts. But yeah, it's made a huge difference. I because I'm I, I can walk there so I'm walking like an hour every day there's yoga studio upstairs so I'm doing yoga a couple of times a week now because I would when I had it at home I, I could I tend to it's hereditary my my dad's exactly the same I am a workaholic I can't help yeah. it if, if it's in my house and I can work I'm going to work especially when I've created a business out of a hobby so I would get out of bed and make a coffee and sit at my desk and then sit there until it was time to go back to bed again yeah. Which is great because I'd be working like, you know, 12 hour days, I get so much done, but it's not good to yeah. not have that distance. And I'd be sitting there at a desk and sitting is not good. My hips were really tight, I felt really creaky and old. And <laughs> it's, you know, so it's good. I get out, like I can 
say, right, I'm going to be there at this time. I'm going to do these things. It, it, it creates you, boundaries. You know that the minute you leave, you're leaving it. Well, kind of. I still do a bit of work at home. But, <laughs> you know, I'm not working all night long. It, yeah, it creates boundaries. And you do need to do that because I, f I find it very difficult to switch off. But it's helping that a lot more. This podcast is sponsored by Zero Accounting Software, who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. Let's talk about, um, I guess, the kind of challenges that come with running your own business a bit more then. What do you think you've struggled with most being your own boss? Switching off. Yeah. That's really hard. I, I find it, like, it'll take me a couple of weeks to get up to like going at like a hundred miles an hour, right? And then I can I can maintain that day in day out for a really really long time and feel fine with it. And I and I kind of I enjoy the adrenaline. I enjoy working really hard, especially when it's for myself. Like I really really I, I, I like it. Yeah. Again, it's hereditary. My dad's the same. I, I've definitely inherited that from him. I watch him now. My dad's sixty three. Yeah, 63. Um, and he still works, you know, almost as hard as he always has. And so I just look, we always joke. We're like, oh, I don't know where you got it from. Like, <laughs> work hard. That's what you do, right? It, it's, a, it's a family thing. <laughs> but then the, the, the issue with that is that I, can, I go on holidays um, and I'm scared to switch off because I know it will take me a couple of weeks to get back to that momentum yeah. again. And so I'm just scared to stop altogether. It's so true. I, like, I've um, kind of not put a, a, the brakes on a bit, but this year, definitely the, the start of this year, compared to what I'm normally like, yeah. I kind of took the pedal up a bit. And it's just, I compare my, what I was kind of, the hours not that it's about hours but I guess motivation this time last year yeah and it's 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 starting to come back now but I'm like yeah. it's June yeah like oh it's hard and I've always been like you as well it's just yeah. kind of it doesn't bother me working hard but now it's in but yeah yeah just kind of going through the motions to get back yeah to that it's yeah, I find it I find it really difficult. So I just don't like to switch off. Like I'll work on holiday and you know, like I said to you, reading three books was amazing. But I was still running in and out to check on my email and you know, people were like, turn off your email. But I, I need to have that slight connection. I I guess that's just part of running your own business. It's the, the nature of it. But then you also do need to have a bit of time off, a bit of a bit of distance, um, you know, it's very easy when you're amongst it all the time to get caught up and basically spin your wheels all the time. And then you step back and you go, God, what? Like, I could be a bit more efficient. I don't, you know, my thing is like, I'm really quick at getting all my orders out, right? So my wholesale orders, I, I had one just before I left uh, for a local stockist in, in Broccoli. And they, they placed their order at like 11 and I dropped it off at three o'clock in the afternoon. And they were like... I, I ordered this two hours ago. Oh <laughs> I really pride myself on getting stuff out early because I've heard lots of stories from my stockers where they're like, I place an order with people and either they don't fulfill it or they'll take three months to fulfill it. That is not what I'm about. Like, I like to be on it and you want it and I'm going to get it out to you as soon as I can. But I also then have to go, but people don't expect to get stuff the same day and it is okay <laughs> to take... <laughs> A bit of normal time. There is a bit of balance with that, but it's very hard. Like I'm kind of all or nothing. Like 
I pride myself on my work. Like I'm not a vain person. I don't. It's part of your identity. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I, I I don't sit here going, oh, tell me I'm pretty or yeah, anything yeah, like that. But yeah. when when I when people go, you. Well, the biggest compliments anyone ever pay, uh, pays me is you work really hard, yeah. you're really efficient, you're really on it. And I'm like, oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, and so, you know, when I've been in jobs before where people have said, oh, you know, this isn't what I expected. And I just go home and have so much anxiety about, you know, oh, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be. I'm not doing such a good job. And yeah, I've, I pride myself on my yeah. work, definitely. Yeah. That's... I more yeah has anything ever gone drastically wrong or like a, like the worst day on the job oh the worst day on the job was uh, and this is gonna sound so trivial but honestly the worst day on the job was when i had dramas with the couriers it's the dpd couriers and this is part of the thing right where i have to sit back and say to myself don't let things like that stress you out because it's just not worth the trouble but I have been on the phone in tears with DPD more times than I care to count and it's so it's just that it's, it's, it's not worth the energy it is, um, <laughs> it's when your business is relying on other people to put yeah. their weight isn't it and yeah it's kind of you have to hand over the reins and it's all good when it goes well but when it's not I'm just like yeah no no <laughs> no and then you're like well what that why am I paying yeah. for if I have to get in the car and drive down to the depot to my I mean luckily I live only 10 minutes from the depot and I can it's fine you know the only time when it's not fine is if if they don't turn up for a Selfridges order and then I get I get fined if my order doesn't turn up when I've booked it into the depot so then it's a problem but other than that like if it's a day late people understand yeah. stuff and happens and you, are you just very direct with whoever's waiting yeah. for it like this is the situation yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. sorry yeah DPD okay. man didn't turn up yeah. you know and people people get it like you know these things happen it happens all the time but honestly they they have been some of the some of the worst Days. I'm still here. Which I'm is a good still here. Um, you know, that's fine. <laughs> that and also, like, because um, I was thinking about this, the other thing, and I guess more of a, um, more of a, I guess, a bigger thing that people in general have to worry about with their businesses is dealing with the ups and downs of the business, mm -hmm. you know. So I say we've been going for 18 months. Really, things haven't really. Things have been going at this level for about a year, so I'm only kind of coming to about a year to understand what the cycle of the business is like. Yeah. So, what, what does it look like? So, the year? so basically, uh, well, last year I did uh, Pulse, which is another. Now it's part of Top Draw, but that was like a, a, a trade show that was run by the same people. That was more for like slightly newer businesses. It was a smaller trade show, a lot more relaxed. I did that in May last year, and from that I got five new stockists, and we had a really positive response, and decided on the back of that to do top draw in September. So from May to September, I was preparing for a trade show. And I thought four months, that's, that's so much time, but it really, really wasn't. All I was doing was preparing for that trade show. And in, then- In what, what, what prep? Designing things, oh, de developing yeah. product, like what are we gonna do, stand builds, getting orders out, because at that time as well, that's when I started working with Selfridges. I started getting more people approaching me to be a stockist. Like, you know, it, things started to build up. And then September, top draw was just phenomenal because we got that order from New York and then we got loads more people from from that and from September onwards things were just like you know and you got the Christmas coming oh but this is it right it was like <laughs> September was madness October was madness November and December and I went to Australia for two weeks in November and just I could I it was again 
couldn't switch off because I was getting orders the whole time I was there and I was trying to keep things running so it wasn't such a shock when I got back but I spent a good two weeks trying to catch up with everything once I got back and then December and then I did at that time I was still doing a lot of markets as well which I've just stopped for the time being because it's not the best use of my time anymore it was great at the beginning and January was also really good and then February I mean who shops in February? February things really dropped off and that's when I started to get really nervous. But of course things drop off in February yeah. because everyone's skint. They're dealing with, you know, they got paid early in December. They got, yeah, everyone's got bills. February is a nightmare. Then March was dropped off again and you're like, oh my God, am I never gonna sell anything again? <laughs> you know, and that was really tough and it got me really down. And because of I take, I take such pride in my work. I took it really personally. It's very hard for me not to take thing, these things personally. Okay. It's not about me, but I'm I'm sensitive and it. Between the contracts with the mingles, because um, yeah. they're done in quarters, mm. I've just got one that's a bit longer. But the wait between those, I'm just sat there thinking like, oh, oh my what god, like yeah. this is ridiculous. Like I I can't plan anything until that contract's signed because I don't want to jinx it. Yeah. And you're just waiting on these, like yeah, some and kind of. Something, something to happen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, because and then and then you're emailing people going, "Hi, do you need any stock top ups?" Yeah. Like and and you know people just either not replying or saying no, not right now. And also with like things like um, Brexit, like that really affected things. I know it wasn't just me; it was other people as well. So people just weren't spending money because no one knew what was going on. That it's uncertainty is so toxic for a business. Um, so, but then things started to pick up. But it, that really was difficult for me. But now I know February and March, kind of quiet months. That's the time when I could be spending, designing. you know, s designing, stock taking, getting my stuff in order. Accounts, but it was all the boring stuff. I mean, I do. I keep on top of my accounts, but it's all that <laughs> stuff. But it's very hard not to just sit there with your head in your hands, going, "Am I ever gonna set, get another order? Is or is this it? Like, is it all over? Yeah. Of course, it's not all over. But it's it's really hard yeah. not to think the worst when you you know but then it cycles like it just exactly. happens and it is something that's it's so true it's so easy to kind of recognize that it cycles in hindsight yeah. once you're out the orders have come back yeah. in but what do you do in those days where you are feeling a bit shit to keep yourself <sighs> I guess like keep yourself going not keep you're, yourself you're not a, your you're spirits not a up you can just tell her no like, I'm not just keep yourself I guess from not woe is me all the time it, it, it was really tough. I have to be honest, it was really, really tough. Um, I, I'm lucky that I have my husband who's really like, well, this is just like, he's so just logical. <laughs> Where I get really um, panicky and manic and, and, and really overthink things and he'll just go, but it's a cycle. Use this time. You, or he'd say to me, you talk all the time how you don't have enough time to do whatever thing it is. He'll say to me, now is the time to do those things. Like, do it now, shift your focus. He'll say, get out and go for a run, go for a walk, do something else. You need to not be sitting here thinking about this, staring at your screen on Twitter, which I do, which is a really bad habit. Yeah. But, you know, and, and he's right. Like, it's just so hard not to sit there and wait for 
the the email, the order that's going to make you feel better. It's like watching your Instagram going, oh, why isn't my follower count going up? Or why, my, like, you know, it's yeah. one of those, it, it's something like that where it's you like just. It's like 14 year old me waiting for a boy to text back. Like, it's like waiting like, for, <laughs> it's yeah. like waiting by the phone yeah. for a stinking yeah. boy to call you. It's, it's so unproductive yeah. and horrible for yourself. Yeah, it doesn't you make you feel any better. It's, yeah, yeah. Or do something really constructive. He'd be like, right, okay, if that's how you feel, let's email a bunch of shops and see if we can get some more stockists. Well. Yeah, definitely. We did do a bit of that and it worked. Like, amazingly, we cold emailed a few people and now we've got two new stockists in, in Germany. That doesn't surprise well, me at all. I'm like, if, if, if you were a buyer, I just don't know why you'd say no to your stuff. <laughs> I just, you'd I mean, be surprised. You would be surprised. Them their things but oh the you really it really does stand out i love it you mentioned hubby yeah how have relationships in general evolved throughout this whole process as you've launched your own business as you've got busier as you've got more successful go relationships okay so i'll tell you about friendships and then like my my marriage my husband yeah. so friendships i mean I, I'm the kind of person, like, I actually realise the older I get, the more, I guess, in it, I say that I'm introverted, it, people are surprised when I say that, but honestly, I really love not leaving the house, I really love, I'm really sociable when I'm out and about, and I could give it all, my all, and I'm not shy, but I love to not leave the house, and not see anybody, I really enjoy it, I, I love it, honestly, um, and I would... I would happily um, not, you know, I, I'm fine. I'm fine with just interacting on in Instagram and whatever. I know that's not healthy. It's been, and, and also the other thing for me too is that like, obviously coming from Australia, when I first moved to London, all the friends that I have had here all moved back to Australia or moved somewhere else. Like one of my, one of my, best work colleagues has moved to Amsterdam you know a lot of the people that I'm really good friends my best friend lives in Tasmania like oh he's you know so a lot of the friends that I have are simply not around for me to have those catch-ups with or then I have a really good friend from an, another job who still works in fashion and doesn't know how to say no and so she's almost impossible she'll be like yeah I've got a, I've got a spot for you uh, in six weeks time at 6 30 p.m that's when I can see you it's but then I've made a lot like I said to you I've made a lot more friends you know people that I've met through the industry. Like I have catch-ups with Vicky from Mean Mail. I catch up with regularly with um, Rosie from PR Dispatch and Patsy from Moxon. Mm -hmm. And I've built a lot of these friendships that are based, like we have common interests in that we all have our own businesses and we can support each other. Where I have people who still work in fashion and you feel so like far removed and I love them, but you don't, yeah. you know, where I, I catch up I've, I've seen um, Rosie and Patsy more than I have some of my other older friends because we have so much to catch up and talk about and you kind of, you know, you can ex you can support each other and chat about things and you know a lot of the same people now. It's become another little community and it's a really nice little community, all these, like, small businesses. And it's just a, it's just a, a mindset thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's just um, comforting to be around people. Yeah. You don't have to... You're not like the odd one out. Yeah, and you don't have to explain yourself like uh, when when you can't catch up with people because you're like, listen, I've just I'm slammed with orders this week. Yeah. I just really can't see you. I've got some really good friends. I feel so bad. I've got one of a really good friend of mine here, and I barely ever see her because all I'm doing is working. That's my bad habit. I need to be able to learn to make time for those sorts of things. I feel 
bad when I don't make time for her. But if it was someone else that has a sim is in a similar situation, they get it, they know because they're doing the same things. Like, so there's that understanding that, not to say that my other friends don't get it, but I just feel bad, yeah. you know. And then with my husband, I mean, we, uh, until a couple of months ago, we were working in the same flat. He was in the living room, I was in the spare room. He'd come in dancing every half hour, very distracting, because that's how he works. <laughs> And I am the kind of person that I want to sit down and do a task and finish it, like do it from start to finish and concentrate for a couple of hours. So that was, that's been a thing to get our heads around. You know, we, we clash. He has a lot of opinions. He's a very opinionated person. We um, sometimes find that we're saying the same thing, but in different ways. So we think we're disagreeing, but in the end we're not. Um, but you know, it, it's really good to have him as a, as a sounding board because he's not, even though, I mean, he's not a designer, he's a corporate investigator, but he's got a really good head on his shoulders. He gets it. He's got, he, he understands the business, but he's got a really good business mind yeah. as well. Like he's, It's just helpful to have that kind of um, grounding board, isn't it? To just bounce yeah. ideas off. It's almost like, you know, a lot of people kind Rounding of... Board. Sounding board. Sounding board. Sounding board. Sounding board. No, like, that's so not right. <laughs> I think sounding my brain, board. I just heard sounding it board. and I was and I yeah. was like, yeah, <laughs> sounding board. I know what yeah. you mean. Um, a lot of people run their businesses by themselves and don't have someone like that to bounce ideas off, to discuss things, to go, hey, this is what... I'm thinking, you know, we were discussing where we just placed a new order for um, more planners for September and we could sit and go, right, what are we going to do for quantities? How are we looking for cash flow? Let's look at accounts. What are we trying to do with this and that? Like there's certain things that he's much better at, like writing emails to try and get new stockists. He's really good at that kind of thing. I, I, I'm not. That That's where I'm really grateful that I have that kind of person where a lot of people that run their own businesses don't have that. And you feel a bit isolated where with him, I can kind of say hey this is what I'm thinking you know work through ideas together you know we don't have an outside mentor but we challenge each other a lot because we a lot of the time have very different ideas about things you know and he like <laughs> it's said, so he, good to have that though yeah it's kind of like pushing you on and like it makes you think differently yeah if yeah you had a, a greer a yes person like you well, it makes kind of have that. it's someone that questions you as well, yeah. so that you know you're really sure about this thing that you're doing. Yeah, Whereas, yeah, if you had someone that would just went, "Yes, I love yes, it. Everything's yes, amazing." Yes, not even that. Like someone that just really, really loves it, and that maybe doesn't feel comfortable to say, mm, "I'm not so sure about that." Yeah. When they're not sure about something, where um, I mean, he will tell me. <laughs> <laughs> he has no problems telling me. Um, you know, and that's sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it annoys me so much. But it's useful. It's really vital. I don't think we could have got to this point without having that. And and when we debate things. It's not an argument per se. And we and we're really good at um, like even within our personal lives, we're really good at working through something and coming to a resolution. Like we'll never be one of those couples that argues and then slams a door and walks out and leaves it festering for a couple of yeah, days. Like we will. Yeah, we'll come to it and go. Okay, I'm gonna do this to improve. You're gonna do that to improve. I'm sorry. You're sorry. Okay, we feel like we've we feel better about yeah, this, yeah, and good. so it's kind of like that in in the business as well. Going forward, then. Yeah. Where do you see this going? What do you want the brand to be in five, ten years time? So I would really like it to be like I at the moment 
we're in a fortunate position where um, we we both we both he freelances full time. I freelance from time to time here and there to kind of live off that. So we're not actually every bit of money that we make in the business we're reinvesting in the business. We're really lucky that we can do that. We want to build it to get to a point where we can live off the business basically, you know, and have have a bigger studio, have more more products. Like there's so many things we want to do like pencils, like post-its, like you know, and we're only limited by, you know, capital funds that we have you know that that there's so many things I have a vision for this stationary brand that could branch into all kinds of things for your desk and you know that's kind of what I would like it to be you know where you've got like a little team you know do you always sit online or can you see yourself having like a store I think eventually you know bricks and mortar would be I, ideal I th- we're looking at potentially it's sh- shifting isn't it like that high street's so the high street's difficult one, retail time, is difficult like indie stores seem to yeah but it's finding the right place yeah. with the right fo- I mean we've been looking at doing a pop-up and you know you look on a pier here and you think okay I need to find something that is the right price where I'm not locked in for a month you know, I want to test it out. I'm quite yeah. cautious. I want to maybe a test it for a week. Though, well, it? Yeah, but then some of the really great places you have to commit for a month. I want to maybe only do it for a week or two weeks because, you know, you think, okay, if I'm going to have a retail space, I either need to pay someone to be in there or be in there myself. And then how, like, you don't want to be doing that for a month. A week is good. Mm-hmm. Two weeks is good. Then you need to think, okay, where am I going to find somewhere that it has good footfall, but the right kind of footfall? So not in, for example, I've done a lot of uh, markets. My most successful market was in when I did it with Print Club in Dalston. And the one beyond that was in a cafe in Homerton. Some of the ones you think, like I've done them at Spitalfields, full of tourists. Tourists don't want to buy heavy books and planners. They're not really there to buy cards and gift wrap. You need place, spaces where it's like, let's say Old Street Station, where people are need to buy something like that on the way to work, where it's in, like people walking past, not necessarily tourists they do but they're really big and or they're like um, more geared towards cafes and stuff like that or that you have to commit for a really long time and it's it's a tough one but this is what it's kind of finding a balance of those things so I would try out a few pop-ups to begin with and then go from there into uh like looking at bricks and mortar but it's difficult because you know any business you're if you have a bricks and mortar that is a lot of overheads you know where if you're online you know, you can reach so many people for not very much money, but you're competing against so many other people, you know, where if you walk past a store every day and you think, oh, I'll pop in there, I'll, you know, it's it's a difficult one. I think eventually, yeah, it, eventually, yes, but it's a really big commitment. And I think I'd... When, when the empire's there, yeah. got your station in Yeah, yeah that's, that's the plan. <laughs> Mm-hmm. To end, mm-hmm. I would like you to finish some statements for me, please. Okay. Okay, you ready? I am. <laughs> Number one, being my own boss means... A whole lot less anxiety. Mm. I had, I, I didn't realise how much anxiety I had working under some bosses that weren't so great until I left. Um, obviously, having your own business brings a whole lot of other issues but honestly I'm so much happier yeah. I'm so much happier yeah. I completely relate to that like my stress at my old job this has been um, 
more stress, like different kinds different. of stress. But, but you're accountable to yeah, yourself. And it's just a more comfortable stress, I don't know. But like you can, oh, don't you know. can deal with it. Yeah. I, I, I had so I'm many... still in control of it. I can manage that yeah. situation. Well, because at the end of the day, you can make the changes and do whatever needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Where I would go into work and you think, oh God, am I going to come in today and have not designed the dress that was on the runway last night because I'm not psychic? Like, <laughs> oh God, am I? what am I going to have not done that I should have <laughs> known that I should have done? I can't, I just, that's no yeah. way to live yeah number two when it's not quite going to plan my advice would be to uh step back and shift your focus it's that's a difficult one Mm -hmm. to do it's easier said than done but it's really good to just get out like you know tidy something up clean your house do something else like don't sit and stare at it because the staring at it will not fix the problem Uh, and also talk to other people as well like other people that are in similar situations not grounding yeah (laughs) (laughs) sounding board yes yes um if i could go back to day one of my business i would tell myself do a range plan do you i i a range plan do you okay coming from fashion like a plan out what you want to do right because i came in just did all these things and then I look back on it and I think none of those things matched each other. What was I doing? I come from fashion. All I did in one of my jobs was range plans. How did I not do this from the beginning to know what I was going to do so everything matched? Like it's really important to have some kind of plan. Just yeah, that on it. It sounds really funny, but yeah, that would be it. I do think like when 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 it's your business, though, there is that stage at the beginning where you are. There's so many ideas, and you do yeah. kind of have to whittle them down and channel. I didn't it do that though. I just did oh some cards with this and some sketches and some screen prints and one and then you I put it all on my living room floor and went. What is this? None of this stuff matches. What do I... I need a plan for this. What things am I going to... And it's those niches. Yeah. I guess it goes back to uh, Vicky and Meemaw. Yeah. Such a simple niche. Hasn't veered away from it. She knows what she does and she does it really well and she's really focused. And that's the thing. Focus is really important. Definitely. If I had to describe myself as a businesswoman, I would say that I am... Um... That's a really difficult one. I wasn't actually sure how to answer this. I was discussing this this morning. This is a really difficult question because for me, um, coming from a real... Fashion is a real female industry. So I personally have never really experienced a lot of the sexism and misogyny and the glass ceiling and stuff as much as some people who might have come from law or finance or whatever. So for me, it's like not so much... a gender focus I for me as a business woman I've worked with a lot of bosses that just didn't look after the pe- the team that they had that were really good people that were the uh, your people are your asset to your business right and that was part of the motivation for why I started this is because I wanted to have I kept saying to myself it doesn't need to be like this I had two fantastic assistants both of them called Rosie who you know just were not being looked after and you go but you guys are phenomenal you could do my job for me that's what you want out of a team I want to have the kind of business where I have people like that who I look after who want to stay who we build like something that everybody believes in something really special something that I believe in like I don't want to just sell out and whatever but have something ethical not just on the product side of things you know not just oh I'm sustainable and blah but have people like look after my people as well I would never have an intern and not pay for them for example I would never have a free intern I've always said that you know I don't know what to say that in one word fair isn't quite right you know but just 
as a businesswoman, I want to be a good boss. Yeah. You know, yeah, I like... I, I feel like you've worded that well. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, and very lastly then, I want my legacy to be that. <sighs> um, oh, gosh. I want my legacy to be that people start to, again, look after their, their people a lot more. Again, I, I've come from an industry where, you know, um, people, everybody wants to work in fashion and you get this job and you compromise so much of yourself financially, your time, your well-being, because you should be proud to be working for that company in that job. I, I, it's so toxic. So many p talented people I know don't even work in the industry anymore because they just got burnt out and they had enough. Yeah, and yeah, I'd say maybe 40% of the women I've interviewed have come from fashion. Yeah. And they've all said that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Days. And I never thought I'd be the one to say that. I never, ever thought I would sort of not and I still freelance on the side so I'm not completely removed from it but God, I would love to have the kind of business that you know inspires other people to give their employees flexibility have a business where you can that it's okay to pay a little bit higher price like I can I've compromised on my margins a little bit to build something and have something that I believe in that I can stand behind that I'm really proud of um, that's really important to me um, and again same as like I wouldn't I think it's I wouldn't have an intern for free I wouldn't employ someone unless I could pay them what they're worth I think that's that would be what I would want my legacy to be I think us small brands can do that and we can lead by example and the bigger brands are starting to take notice these things are really important like oh you know wow giving someone flexible hours like I don't care as long as you get your work done however you want to do it that's that that's what I would like my legacy to be I would like to create a business where people want to work and other people look at what I'm doing maybe eventually big picture to go <laughs> wow maybe we could do something like that because people are looking at this person and you're leading by example exactly yeah because yeah. I know what that's like I've been in that position it sucks it really sucks and as hard as I work on my own business I work this hard on other people's businesses too and then to come to a realization at the end of that every single time to go you told me that you valued me and that I meant something but when it comes down to it I'm just a bum on a seat for you like I'm just a number it could be anyone in this job that's really hard yeah. and I would I don't want people to feel eventually when I have employees I don't want people to feel like that with me yeah Not that. <laughs> very long-winded sorry no I love it I feel like that's done we'll be on just over an hour okay that's good is that enough for you that's perfect good thank you no worries thank you Thank you for listening to She Can, She Did. If you fancy being a complete star and doing your good deed for the day, please feel free to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes to give the She Can, She Did series a little boost and help others to find it. You can also attend the Midweek Mingles, the She Can, She Did event series for female founders and aspiring female business owners, featuring a whole lot of business inspiration and the all-important GNTs in equal measure. For more information and to book your ticket, head to www.shecanshedid.com. I would love to see you there.